When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Chels. Another couple of weeks has gone by with the international break. And what we had, very little Chelsea news other than, oh, let's see, Rudiger has been completely upset by the deal we're offering him. Christensen isn't happy and Mason Mount's going to Liverpool. That's what happens in international break. People make up nonsense. Well, here to help make sense of the nonsense, it's the nonsensical man of sense. It's Andy Saunders. How are you, mate? I'm all right. You're flicking your V's as usual at me. This is something you seem to now do regularly since I've returned. V signs with vitriol and meaning. It's quite intimidating and I'm a little bit scared. So I better move on to the other man who doesn't scare me in the slightest. It's the man with one voice. It's Gary Hayes, who's given well, me to just one finger. That's not very nice, is it? Well, I'm on with two really rather nasty people today. How are you, Gary? I'm good, thank you. I was about to do Ron, and then you started talking, so I stopped. Good. Well, any time you feel the urge to do Ron, let us know in advance, and we'll keep on talking. Yes. All right. So you, you're right, Gary. Did, did you enjoy the international break? Did you get a lovely break from league football? Um, I love the international break because I love watching England. Yeah, you weirdo. So there you go. England over Chelsea, as I always say. So they, I actually enjoy the international break. England over Chelsea. You haven't said that before. Oh, oh I've always said it. Country over club. Oh, definitely. Yeah. He says it a lot, Andy, but I have to say, you don't listen to him. God. I mean, I, yeah. know that he's, I know that he likes watching England. Um, I didn't realise you were one of those, you know, uh, Flag of St George tattooed on your calf blokes. Oh, no, just, I don't, I don't have the tats. Um, he, doesn't, he doesn't have the calves, actually. <laughs> I did have them. <laughs> did what, you, what, pointless, um, what an utterly pointless waste of time these, these internationals are. Well, when you're playing San Marino, they're a waste. But um, for me, it's just because I I really got into football in Italian 90s. So that's how I I was sort of loved England before I loved Chelsea. But um, yeah, I, I love watching England. I was, I was a member of the England what, even supporters. Even against San Marino? No, that's just boring. That is, well, that's, that's just like I mean. watching a pre-season like, friendly. I mean, don't get me wrong. During, during a major tournament, it's very exciting. But these kind of like rubbish games against pointless countries... Football yeah, it really, it really, is, wa- it really is a waste of time. That, that, those games are, are a waste of time. The actual countries are fine, but their footballing is completely pointless. And, and, and I'm just like, we've taken a week, I've taken all the momentum out of our league season, you know, to play this pointless game where the only thing that can possibly come out of it is injuries. Yeah, that's, a, that's absolutely it. I mean, that's what you look for, isn't it, at the end of the break is... Who's not going to be able to play in the next game for us? I mean, we were actually pretty lucky this time round. I don't think we picked up any injuries while players were away, so that was good. Um, okay, well, well, there is a discussion to be had, and it's it's something people have been talking about, but 
Callum Hudson-Odoi, who seems to be riding the crest of the wave for Chelsea for the first time in a, in a long while. He's getting a consistent run in the side. He turned down the opportunity, again, of playing for the under-21s, saying that he wanted to concentrate on his club position, concentrate on making progress, and that actually if he could establish himself, then he could come back to international football. And let's not forget, he has played for the the, the, the main side, um, and perhaps going to the under-21s did seem pointless. Gary, what, what do you think about... I think it's actually the under-23s rather than the under-23s. Under-23s, yeah. is it? I think so. Well, no, they call it the under-21s. Yeah, it's the under-21s, yeah. 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 Under twenty three is when case, you were young. Completely pointless. Yeah. But Come on, Gary, sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, but I, I, I agree with him. If he's trying to establish himself at Chelsea, he wants to show the manager. Yeah, you because know, th- th- this is what a journalist will notice, but when but when he's in international break, the players will get a few days off, but then they get such close contact with the manager for a week before the others get back, right? Some of them benefit from it, some of them don't. But I just look at it and think that He's had a bit of criticism and he's had a bit of, um, you know, a few people sticking the boot in. But no one did that when Jude Bellingham did it because he wanted to just sort of get himself sorted with Dortmund in October. And then he's back in the England team, right? I know he's at a different stage where he's actually in the in the full team. But but still, I think Hudson-Odoi is, before he can even think about England or whether he switches, you know, allegiance to Ghana, he needs to get his Chelsea career sorted. He knows what he's up against and I think he's, he's right for doing it. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I mean, Andy, how do you view it? Yeah, I think, you know, for once, Gary's absolutely right on this. Um, and it is the <laughs> under-21s, you're absolutely right, I was wrong. But um, I think, look, the 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 issue here is if Callum Hudson-Odoi is good enough to get in the full England setup, then he will. And if he's not, he won't. He doesn't need the under-21s as some kind of stepping stone. He's playing at an elite level in the Premier League. He'll be judged on his performances week in, week out for Chelsea, not whether he performs or not for the under-21s. All this kind of playing for your country, it's a badge of honour. Well, that's fine. He wants to play for his country. doesn't want to play for the kids' version of his country. I think he's past that, and I think it's... I think it's uh, more than acceptable for him to turn around and say, happily be considered for the full England setup. And if not, I fully understand if you don't want to pick me. But by, by that virtue as well, though, j- just talking about it, and this, will, this is where I'll contradict myself in the fact that I love watching England play, the players have got an allegiance to the clubs that are paying them whatever they're paying them a week, right? And I think when Shearer retired from the England team, I was gutted. But that prolonged his career for Newcastle. You know, and players have got to weigh this stuff up and think what's the best decision for their career because you can go flat out and, you know, run yourself into the ground in the way that someone like Rooney did. And then by the time you get to the, the twilight of your year, uh, of, your, of your career, you've brought that forward anyway. And you've played way too many games. The players have got too many games in their legs. And I think if countries want to start getting players to play for them more and to be more honoured to do it and not see it as a nuisance, they need to sort out this calendar so that they're not playing Sam Rooney. I know obviously the under 21s weren't, but. You know, you see it's embarrassing winning games 10-0, right? And the players don't want to do that. Yeah, no, no they don't. Yeah. And, and also as well, look at Paul Scholes. There's, there's, other, there's other great players that, you know, you're right. You know, when they decided to not play for England, there was a certain amount of, um, you know, sort of unhappiness. But but you're right. They, they want to prolong their club career. Um, and the case of, of Callum Hudson-Odoi, I don't think it's an England snub. I think it's basically saying, as you quite rightly said, let me 
progress in Chelsea. Let me embed myself in the team. Let my let me get a run of games under my belt at a senior level for Chelsea, and then consider me for the full England setup. I, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. He's way beyond that. The under twenty ones, I think, is for you know for for up and coming developing players. I think I think Callum Hudson Odoi is beyond that. And also, the, the the point here is he is going to learn more with a couple of weeks under Thomas Tuchel at close quarters with less players there at, at Cobham than he is going away with the under-21s playing against basically another team with a load of kids in who will be able to run rings round if he could be bothered. He won't learn anything. He won't evolve. Two weeks, and look, we'll talk about the game shortly, but... It makes a difference to him. He is evolving as a player by not playing matches that are meaningless. Can I just make one more point about it as well? Just sorry. I think it says a lot about the relationship these players have with Tuchel. Whereas they've seen the way he's worked. They've they've, They've worked it out thinking, I need to impress him, right? Because I know the Hudson Odoi was turning that offer down. But then you look at Ross Barkley as well. Ross Barkley spent a week in Dubai on holiday, but working his nut off, putting it all over Instagram as well, but making big noises to the manager to say, look, we've got the right attitude. We want to pay, play for this club. Now, I know Barkley's a different scenario altogether to Hudson-Odoi, but I, I think that says a lot about Hudson-Odoi's maturity and his character, I think, that he's actually gone and done that. Yeah, and it shows he wants to play for Chelsea and impress at Chelsea. So I'm never going to... I'm look. It'd be very different if he pulled out of a a World Cup saying, I need a break from football. I want to be ready for next season. I think all of us would say, that's not quite the way you do things. Say that's not cricket, but Ben Stokes did that, didn't he? Ben Stokes, you know, the cricket player, when I need to pull out of all cricket for my mental health and he's not the only one to do it. I mean, it does happen, but, you know, sportsmen aren't robots. They're not machines. And I think in Callum Hudson-Odoi's case, you know, he's got one very clear goal, which is to be a very successful club footballer. And even though I'm not a massive fan of international football generally beyond the big tournaments, I totally get it that players want to play for their country. I totally understand that. I certainly don't get resentful when Thiago Silva flies halfway around the world to play for Brazil. It's hugely important to him, as it is for a lot of players in our squad to represent their country. Why wouldn't it be? You're seen as one of the best 11 players in your country. I totally get that. You know, I kind of wish they wouldn't, but I don't hold it against them that they do. But equally, I don't hold it against them if they choose not to. Yeah, and also, the, the point is, there needs to be, I think, a reckoning on these football sides, because it used to be that you'd have these groups with the minnows in because you'd be taking great football clubs to these smaller countries. It's so pointless now. There is such a divide between the top, the medium and the bottom of these sides that really we need to take out that bottom level. It does no one any good. It should be like, I suppose, in a way, cricket has got something right in the qualification where you get an amount of the smaller sides playing off against each other to get an opportunity to get into into the final things. That's so, exactly what they should do. They should yeah. take the, the what, what, what could be called the minor footballing nations, put them in their own qualifying competition, and whoever the best in that gets an opportunity to come in and play, uh, you know, in, in, in the, in the um, elite 
in the elite qualifications. I, I think that's absolutely the way to do it because otherwise we're all we're all wasting our time. Yeah, and you only you've think... just got to earn the right, haven't you? Just yeah, earn I the right so. to do it. I mean, in 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 cricket, for example, Afghanistan, Scotland, Holland. You know, a lot of these a lot of these countries they all play off against each other, and then you know once they get once they win that particular competition, they can go into the group stages with the other things, and that's fair enough. They've proven themselves, you know, the, the best of that bunch. But there's no reason to have all those tiny Luxembourgs and and San Marinos and you know. Pointless Andorra. little countries, Andorra, and pointless little countries like that, because you know they're going to get smashed. Yeah, I mean, just to point out to our Andorran and uh, San Marino uh, listener listeners, um, point, listener. pointless countries was Andy's term, not ours. So you go and uh, clutter up his Twitter feed with that. <laughs> pointless well, he, didn't football. Call, he, he didn't call him shit old country, so that's a bonus. Pointless that, fo- footballing, footballing country. That was countries. Gary who said that. So <laughs> I no, I didn't call him that. I was quoting someone else and saying, "Well done, Andy, for not saying that." So it's a compliment to Andy. Pointless tax havens. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Right. Well, look, look, moving on. We finally got shot of that. I mean, I did make an allusion to all this contract talk and all these stories coming out. Does it drive you mad, Andy, that we get to that point? You can see it coming every year that actually these stories start appearing and people start going, oh, no, what's going on? It's all nonsense, isn't it? Kerry, you know what I'm going to say here. I know, but I like to do it every time. read them. Don't spend your day. I know you've got a lot of time on your hands at the moment. Don't spend your time going down rabbit holes, reading these nonsensical stories from bloggers, you know, 16-year-old bloggers who've misinterpreted something in a foreign newspaper. Don't spend your time doing it. You'll be a lot happier if you just leave it alone. So are you guaranteeing me Mason Mount will not join Liverpool? <laughs> God's sakes. <laughs> El, I mean, Nas- El Nacional has reported that, you know, I mean, it's it like... It always is, isn't it? Well, you know, it's just nonsense. And, and I think that, you know, you're just going to be a lot a lot more ha- happy and, and well-adjusted if you stay off that bit of the internet. No, it just makes me laugh because there's always... I mean, that is just the most brilliantly fantastical creation. I well, mean, let, me, let, me, let me say something, Kerry. So one thing, Gary, you've worked in this industry, right? That's what you, I was just you, you, ask. You, yeah, yeah, that's right. You, you're a writer in this industry. I mean, how much pressure... I mean, you used to work for Goal.com, right? No. Uh, who did you used to work for? I used to do Bleacher Report, but I've, Bleacher no, I've Report. never, I'm sorry. I've never written a line of news in my life, so... Uh, okay, you but, you know, you've worked, okay, let's say you, you've worked with, with people that have worked in that industry. How much pressure are they under to come up with these silly, silly stories? Yeah, massively. I think you ask anyone now, especially under lockdown, they're under even more pressure. I think you see how places like The Athletic as well, they're, they're searching for eyeballs, right? They start off doing features and now they're running news and all sorts just to get people to keep coming back. But... Um, yeah, I, I think a lot of it as well isn't just journalists, it's agents, it's managers, it's parents placing stories, trying to get their sons and daughters better deals. Um, it's just one big merry-go-round, isn't it? I'm, I'm assuming it's not too different to what goes on in the music industry. But I just saw the stuff with Mason Mount and I read the, the article and the person who had written it couldn't even get it right that we had played um, Burnley at Stamford Bridge. They said we drew up Turf Moor. And I was like, what? I was like, did I, did I imagine that we played at um, Stamford Bridge? But on top of it as well, they made out that um, they were clearly trying to make it a, um, a really um, controversial story. So they were saying, oh, he was left out of the team for Newcastle. Yeah, because he had wisdom teeth problems. He had his teeth taken out in the international break. It's like, is it almost as if people don't know that happened? They don't know that he had it plastered all over his social media and Chelsea's when he was high on drugs, getting his teeth taken out. It's just a 
ridiculous story and the fact that it's been running the we should star, just add mason mount was on legal drugs i can't even time. believe legal that we're drugs. even discussing the merits of this story but my point was was how much pressure are these journalists under to go and yeah, write massive. these clickbaity stories and they have yeah, quotas, I mean, it, it seems everything. that they are you know and so i have a certain amount of sympathy for them if their editor is saying go and find me five stories a day they're going to be trawling other sites and it becomes a self-perpetuating circle of ridiculousness doesn't it especially especially when you're someone trying to make a name for yourself now if matt law had run this in the telegraph i'd believe it if Don Fifield was running it, I'd believe it. If No Mark from the Daily Star's running it, I don't believe it. Yeah, exactly. So, Andy, I mean, you know, people are always under pressure. I mean, were you ever under pressure to tell complete lies in your job? All the time. I tell lies for a living. It's made me incredibly rich. So, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with it. <laughs> But well, this, isn't the, this, this isn't the discussion, Kerry. Well, what, are the, what are the lies you're telling, though, Andy? I just, tell, I just tell all kinds of lies. Well, I mean, what, I, have a, I have a very simple mantra. Never let the truth get in the way of a good story, Gary. I guess you're placing stories for PR purposes rather than I am, yeah. being newsworthy. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, look, the, tr- the truth is fluid. The truth is, has always been malleable, you know, and people like me who do it for a, a living can, can put our own version of the truth out there. And that's the thing. Look, I'm joking, sort of. But, you know, the, the idea on social media that, that if you say something enough, it becomes the truth. And if enough people turn around and go, Mason Mount's going to Liverpool, or, you know, Tony Rudiger's, you know, incredibly angry at Chelsea and insulted by the offer that he's got if enough people say it it becomes a truth of sorts and therefore you know all those people that were like tony rudiger he's a snake he's been beating up the little kids at the club all this nonsense that was you know proven to be absolutely ridiculous enough people said it or enough people with enough credibility in inverted commas said it that it becomes a truth so you know the the wider philosophical question is what is the truth but we won't get into that because we could, could, could i just say as well about players being angry with contract offers mm. trust me they don't get pissed off with contract offers you know why because they'll know they'll get one from elsewhere yeah there's they, always they, another they, contract they, round the corner yeah, yeah. exactly they, they know their value the only time players get pissed off is when they're not playing because they know their value is going down and whatnot, and it's not feeding their ego. But Rudiger, if he wants his ten million a year or whatever it is he's apparently chasing, he knows that he's on a free transfer. He knows he'll go get that in a signing on fee as a bonus. There's yeah. nothing, and, and you know what I say as well. I know it's happening to Chelsea, but more power to these players because why should it be that Chelsea take the transfer fee over him so that he's being traded like a piece of meat? If he wants to get the the money himself that would go to Chelsea, then fair play to you, mate. Mm. Well, this is what Andy and I have talked about a lot in the past, is that these people are doing a job. As much as we'd love them to die and, and show blue blood pouring out of them or whatever, it's a job. And yes, some players end up staying at a club all their careers eventually and are just part of the fabric. Other players will move on. It's work. It's a job. And I would have thought this, this is why Rudiger is playing so well at the moment, because Whatever happens, he will get all his dreams come true. I'm sure he probably does want to stay at Chelsea because we are establishing ourselves right back up at the top of the international game again. And he'll want to stay there. But if he can't, there's every chance he'll go to Bayern Munich or PSG. It's not as though he's going to go down to somewhere in the the championship. He's got one 
big contract left. One exactly. big mega contract left. And, you know, this this is what it's all about. I don't blame him either. Look, I mean, there's a couple of players that will always have special bonds with fan bases and clubs. I mean, usually players that have come up through the youth academy. I mean, you can certainly see... What, you mean see, like Sam Dallabona? Yeah, that type oh, of player. Oh, I was player. talking about him the other day. Um, oh, how funny. Um, uh, but someone like Mason Mount, for example, or Reese James, you know, been there since they were six years old. They can't help but have a bond with the club and with the fans. And if they leave, then I think that's slightly different. But somebody that we've bought from some French club who comes to us for three years and then goes somewhere else, how can you possibly expect them to have any kind of deep feeling and loyalty for the club they might have had a good time here I mean someone like Thiago Silva has proven himself to be you know having really enjoyed himself here those scenes of him in the stands at Champions League goes going crazy and you know he's he's obviously somebody that feels it and loves it and enjoys it and has, has felt at home at Chelsea but he's not a Chelsea fan you know he's a he's somebody that's you know at the, the latter stages of their career enjoying himself in a job and hopefully he'll be able to come back and say he had a good time at Chelsea but he doesn't think in the same way that we do no, okay, here's, a, here's an interesting question. Someone like Thiago Silva, do you think in a weird, strange kind of way, even though he's only been with us a short time, has in a way become a Chelsea legend? In some because, ways, he's, a, he's a, certainly a cult figure. Yeah, he is. He's, he's done something, hasn't he? Just, just by that stuff we saw in the stand, it made us all go, wow, we loved him on the pitch. And now he's doing something else there that is imploring the team to get going. And What do you think, Gary? Yeah, I agree. And just to go back to Andy's point about we expect them to be fans or whatever, I don't really, you know, I know the majority of people do, but all I ask of a player is that when you're at Chelsea, you don't flirt with Real Madrid for two or three years. You, When you're at Chelsea, you play for the club and you give it everything. And when you leave, you leave with a few medals in your back pocket and you go off into the sunset. Everything's great. Don't badmouth the club when you're here. Don't badmouth when you leave. Just be professional and, and work hard. That's why I've got nothing against Conte for going to Spurs. I did with Jose because it was a little bit different, but with um, with Conte, I just think that you see him on the sidelines with, with Spurs, he was exactly the same at Chelsea. He, he lived it and he believed it. And he, he only believed it for two years, but it doesn't make it fake that he did. You know, I, I just love that about him. And I think that when people talk about you know, loyalty to, to clubs and the players and you know, the fans, I just look and think, look, JT even did it. When he knew he had one big contract left in him, what did he do? He leveraged Man City to get a better deal at Chelsea. That doesn't mean he thought less of Chelsea. It's just that JT knew that his earning power was going to reduce on the after that contract, and it did. So he just went out and got the biggest and best deal he could because he's got to pay the mortgage. He's got to pay for his 10th house or however many it is. But these players have got a right to do that. They've got a, a window where they earn... An insane amount of money. Am that... I allowed to say he's also got to pay the bookies, or is that not allowed? <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's probably not allowed. So allegedly, <laughs> but you know, he they their earning power is such that they've got to maximise it, haven't they? Of course you they know, have. and to mere mortals like you and me, Kerry, we can't dream about the money that footballers and Andy earn. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, look. On that note, we better take a commercial break, and then we'll come back. And we will talk about the Leicester game away. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. 
from dope 250 watt city bikes to Harley Bobber inspired 750 watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. We're back. All right, well, look, let's move on to actual football. Leicester away, early kickoff. It's everything we don't like after an international break. Andy, how did you see this one? And when you saw the team, were you surprised? Was there anything that you thought, oh, okay, that's interesting? How did you view it? Uh, look, I, I always go into games thinking we're going to lose because then when we win, it makes it all the more sweeter. Um, I, I think I'm a sort of half glass empty kind of guy, sort of a oh, pessimistic yes. sort of guy anyway. So, and, and just looking back on Leicester away, we've had some good results there, but we've also, I think we've lost there the last two times we've been there, lost in the FA Cup final against them. So, you know, it's never a given, particularly when you've got players like Jamie Vardy on the pitch. Uh, but looking at the team, I guess the only thing, the only person that really stood out was Chalaba. But what was interesting about Chalaba was that even then you're kind of shrugging the shoulders and going, fair enough. You're not thinking, oh, there's somebody that's been bought in and given a chance. Chalaba's proved himself to be, you know, somebody that can easily slot into the first team. So Mendy in goal, Chalaba, Silva, Rudiger as a back three, Chilwell and James as the fullbacks, Kante and Jorginho in the middle with Mountain Hudson-Odoi sitting behind Havertz. I mean, it pretty much picks itself apart from Chalaba. You know, but but again, Chalaba was perfectly fine. Okay, here's here's a discussion to be had. Uh, Chalaba has done all those things we talk about. I mean, by the sounds of it, it was just a bit of luck that got him staying with us for this season. That he was one of the early ones back, expecting to probably go out on loan, and he impresses Tuchel, and that shows. A, I think it shows how open-minded Tuchel is. But it also shows that the door isn't shut to to anyone. What do you think, Gary? Um, Trevor Chalabar, do you think he's really made good? And is he not part of the Chelsea firmament now? Yeah, I think he is. I think he's a very good squad player. Whether he can become a starting regular, who knows? But we don't need to worry about it anyway, do we? Because he's not, you know, we don't need him to be that just yet. But um, this is... The point, though, about academy players as well, I think what he's shown is that, yeah, he's had a bit of luck, but he's taken that opportunity, right? And I think that what Tuchel has done, whether it's by design or not, is that he's filling the squad, as in, you know, the the players who are going to play 15 games a season with the homegrown talent that's good enough to do that and not costing us 40 million. Because I think what you create is a problem where a player's sat on a 40 million transfer fee He's an asset that is going to reduce in value if he's not playing. So Tuchel hasn't got the pressure to play Chaloba every week. But he just comes in and does a job when he needs him. It allows for a little bit of rotation at the times that it's needed. And I just think that what he's doing is great. I wouldn't like to see him starting every week, but that's not what he's there to do anyway. I think it's also worth pointing, I've said this before, this is not some callow kid who's learning the trade. Played well over 100 games, you know, in the championship for Ipswich and Huddersfield and for Lorient uh, in Liga over in France, you know, so... 
you know, he's now got 130, you know, first team appearances under his belt. That That's not a, somebody that's sort of coming in and, and stepping up from the training pitches at Cottom. That's somebody who's pretty battle-hardened. We kind of forget that, that, you know, this is a fairly well-developed player. I, I, I think I can see him part of the, you know, first the first pick. I, I genuinely can. I think it's between him and Christensen. Be interesting to see, you know, you alluded to it at the very beginning of the show, Kerry, about who stays. We won't go into any more detail about, because we don't know what's going to happen to them. But we may be in a situation where a couple of them leave. Um, and Chalabra, I think, is a is a really good option. Yeah, I, I can see it, depending if we go and buy anyone, who knows what we'll do. But I can see Christensen moving into the centre of a three and Chalabar standing in when Thiago Silva decides to go, um, which I think I think that will probably be the way forward. I think Christensen has shown exactly how he's evolved under Tuchel. Uh, and this is what I love about seeing the side that's happening before our eyes. We're seeing the development of players. And it's something we've said over the last few years, something that may have been missing from a lot of Chelsea squads and Chelsea players is that we get to a level and then don't evolve. And now maybe it's just because we're on a good phase of, of life with Tuchel, but you can see players, they look as though they get better. Now that may just be coincidence, but I can, I can see Chalobah becoming a real firm part of the team. What's really interesting, I think, looking at that defence, I mean, four goals conceded in the last 12 games. I mean, that's phenomenal by anybody's standard at the level that we're playing. You know, that whoever comes into that defence hasn't let us down. It's not like we have a weak link. It's not like we roll our eyes and go, oh, Thiago's been out in Brazil for like the international break, can't play this week. Somebody will step in. I think our defence is something that, you know, if we look at, you know, the, the progress report, so far this season the defense is dazzling it's amazing you know and I think a lot of that's got to do with our control in midfield having a great goalkeeper but still not conceding goals is what potential champions do yeah and absolutely once it gets breached that defense you've got Mendy behind in fact there was that save the one-handed save with the wrong comfortable hand. save according to uh oh, that, me mad. that was an absolutely fantastic save or is that just me good i'm glad that was going to be my bugbear of the day that yeah. one because i thought it was a great save what did is you think gary the amati shot is that we're talking about yeah yeah I, lo- I loved it it saved it from him of all people who's going for a worldie because um what he did after the fa cup final Oh, what remind us what he did after the FA Oh, Cup that's point. when he was like, you know, throwing the, um, you know, they give him the, what do they call it, at the, be- at the beginning of the game. He had it in the, the dressing pennant. room, didn't he? Yeah, the pennant. And he was um, he was basically taking the piss after, threw it on the floor and stuff and put it on his TikTok or his Instagram. That's why when we played him a few days later at Stamford Bridge, they all went for him after the game. That's ah, what all that big brawl was about. Didn't so, know that. Okay. Yeah, so it was good that um, he of all people, had something that he thought was going to be a worldie to put him back into it, and Mendy denied him. Made two yeah. really, really good saves, didn't he? I mean, you know, that's that, again, is a sign of a, of a good goalkeeper, isn't it? Or great goalkeepers that had very little to do throughout the game and then pulled off two brilliant saves. And, you know, I think how he isn't in that kind of Ballon d'Or contention is, well, we've discussed that, but it's beyond me. It's absolutely The goalkeepers never are, are they? When was the last time a goalkeeper won it? Well, Donnarumma yeah. was, is in it. Yeah. Yeah, but he's not in it yeah, but, he's, but he's mentioned, but he's nominated. Yeah. I mean, Mendy's not even nominated. He's not even he's not even in the, you know, in that kind of UEFA team of the year. It's ridiculous. But I think maybe they've thrown him in there because Italy won the Euros. But still, I know what you mean. But I just look at all these awards anyway. 
Who gives a... I know they're nonsense, but I think I think it's time that people beyond our club started to look at Mendy as potentially, you know, if not one of the best goalkeepers in the world. I, I think people do now. I think people are taking notice because he is spectacular. Uh, he does because he's such a big unit as well. When he goes flying across the goal, it's just amazing. And I, I have to say, I love it when he wears the Peter Cech orange. Mm. It's just, it just, just what was it he, Peter Cech used to say about being in orange? Well, well <coughs> Cech, Cech brought it in um, when we when we our kit was made by Adidas. It was the I think it was the two thousand eight nine season when he bought the orange kit in, and because he had done a lot of studies and basically the brighter the colour that when the striker was shooting a goal he would see the keeper first and would subconsciously hit closer to the keeper. And then he brought that in, and after that, it became a big thing to start doing it with all the all the uh, different manufacturers. Okay, uh, well, moving on to to another part of the game because look, we could go through the whole team and talk about how wonderful they were and who did this and Chilwell going back to Leicester playing a blinder. People say he should have scored. Well, it's as pretty close to scoring as you can do hitting the bar. Um, it was a shame he didn't. He get should that have scored. In. Yeah, he should yeah. have, but, you know, it's just one of those things. But he's so he's so good. Reese James is so good. We've I mean, he had another about... great effort, didn't he, that was well saved by Schmeichel. So, yeah, you know, he's definitely one, really. creating things. No, exactly. Um, but I, I'd like to talk about, OK, we can quickly mention Ruder getting, was it his fourth goal in nine games against Leicester? Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's it. They're his rabbit. But um, I mean, I they're pitiful to... defending from set pieces. Oh, I mean, but and, and they like let him do that. You know, start, starting on the line, coming off the line, heading. I mean, they just let him do it every time he had a corner. It's you know, yeah. it's pitiful. You know, for for somebody who's who's been seen as one of the great you know sort of potential tacticians of the modern <laughs> age, he doesn't have a clue defensively. Brendan Rodgers. No, send him to Man U. That's what I say. Yeah, yeah, that'll carry it on. Um, but that's another story, and we may, might chat about that in the preview show for United later in the week. Um, okay, the person I want to talk about, and it's something that sort of bothered us last year, the year before, was Kante being moved out of that holding role. Well, he doesn't play that holding role now under Tuchel. He plays a bit forward, but it works now for him. He seems to still be... N'Golo Kante doing N'Golo Kante kind of things but he's now in the right position to tackle or run forward with the ball how has that worked out Gary like that well how has it worked out that he's come to play that position and play it so that we used to go he's a waste further forward up on the right or whatever now Tuchel hasn't got him as as the, the deep-lying six. He's got him further up the pitch and it works yeah. I, I think you see it changes depending on who he's playing with and yes. when he's playing against, when he's playing alongside someone who can't really run, it makes sense for him to be the one that gets further forward a little bit. Um, I would rather him be a little bit further back and play alongside someone who can do more further forward. But then he scores a goal like that on Saturday, and you sort of you can't question it, right? I think he's good at doing it, and it just shows that he's one of these players who can sort of slot in anywhere and do it. But I do think he's stronger being a little bit further back. But then the way Leicester played. You see that the way that goal happened, where Chelsea was able to break right through him, and there was no one in the middle to, to stop him. And then the, they were saying, um, "Oh, it was maybe because Leicester were like happy for Kante to have it and waiting for him to pass to someone else." I thought that was actually doing, you know, giving um, Leicester a bit more praise than they deserve because it was just really bad defending that got him into that position, rather than them allowing him to have the ball rather than someone else. But um, 
Left I think he's good. Well. In, yeah, I think he's good in that position. I just think he's better when he's a bit further back. But then that's just sort of splitting hairs, isn't it? It's, yeah, but also as well, it's not new. It's not Thomas Tuchel that's done this. I mean, you know, everybody's been screaming about, oh, he should be sitting Makaleli like, you know, protecting the back four for ages. But Sarri did it. Lampard did it. Other managers have been pushing him forward for a long time. You know, he's been playing up there, and people have been tearing their hair out, going, "What's he doing? He needs to be back defending it." And you know, frankly, it's a bit like the Jorginho thing. It's like you clearly don't understand what's going on here no but what, what i'm saying is under tuchel mm-hmm. all the concerns we had about why it wasn't working for me are working under tuchel and it's slightly different he's not quite so advanced as he was before with the other managers mm, not he's, sure about he's that. different he's he is no where his starting point he runs into space for sure but there's something I don't know what you mean, because with, 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 with Sarri, there was a three-man midfield and there was the anchor of it and he was further forward on, on that, right, with either mm. Kovacic yes. or Barkley, the other one. But I think um, when people talk about him with Makaleli, I'm always thinking, is it just because he's French and he's at Chelsea in a similar position? Because he's way more dynamic than what Makaleli was. Yeah, I think people just think that he's a he's a destroyer and he should be there destroying yeah, things. Yeah, but there's, there's much more to his game than that. We 100%. That. 100%. You know, this whole kind of idea of marking space, of making the angles, of, of being able to release, you know, his ability. You know, there's so many things to his game that, you know, this idea that he has to sit was always pointless to me always and and I don't want to do it it's not a told you so I've been saying that on this podcast for years um you know and it's a bit like as a gate like the Jorginho thing what does he even do bruv it's like you know the guy has proven that he's absolutely fundamental to the transition in our team and to the energy and to the tempo in the team it's like so many people have just just not looked at it properly and I'm not trying to put paint myself as some huge all-seeing expert here but I just think if you sometimes take a step back and try and think what the manager is trying to do with these players, it makes a lot more sense. See, I think with, yeah. um, with, with Kante as well, is that when people compare him to Makaleli, I think it's more pertinent to compare him to Essien. Because I think mm. he's got that Essien quality about him. And what I liked about the Essien-Lampard relationship in the midfield is that they would dovetail, right? Obviously, Lampard was doing a lot more going forward, but Essien still had that ability to get forward and do great things. He wasn't prolific in front of goal like Kante's not. He probably scored more. Someone had to pull up the stats to see, but it feels like Sen scored more than what Kante did. But Sen had that in his locker to do something. You think about the um, the Champions League semi final in two thousand and nine against Barcelona, the the Off goal the that he scored. Yeah, you know, Kante not necessarily a goal like that, but he's got that ability to score goals like Sen did, right? I think he's just got. He's such an like like Essien, He's got such an all round game, hasn't he? That's yeah. why Sen ended up playing right back, midfield, up front, centre back, well, and they played they, everywhere, didn't they? So because they both have incredible engines. Yeah, they, there is at no point go. Oh, he's done for the day. He's never done for the day. You one know, thing that Kante, one thing that Kante does that I don't see any other player doing is when you're when you're coached as a defender in football, you're coached to approach a player at full pace but as you approach him slow down to half speed so that you've got some control before you make the tackle what Kante does he doesn't do the second bit he just approaches players at full speed and tackles at full speed and still seems to come away with the ball it's quite an incredible skill to watch him hit someone like a steam train and come away with the ball under control it's not like he's sliding in or going off his feet or doing anything like that he just manages to tackle somebody at 100 miles an hour and While it just cre- running. and it just creates so much momentum going forward i think yeah, that comes from the way he reads the game yeah exactly he reads of course it the does. game so yeah. well that he doesn't, yeah. and and this is where you know we talk about it in tennis, Kerry. There's some players that are good until they get to the point where the coaching can't do anything anymore because 
they're in a real situation. I think that's what Kante's like. You can coach a player so far and they'll do a job for you because they'll just follow the rules, you know, the, the, like, like a robot. Whereas I think Kante's just got so much more going on upstairs that he's so intelligent as a player that he reads the game so well that he finds himself in those positions knowing that he can maintain that speed and, and win the ball because he's read where he's going, right? I think he has utter belief as well. He has belief that he's going to win the ball and belief that he can take that ball and do something with it. And I think that mentality is elite. And I don't, I don't think everybody has that. No, I mean, Kante knows. And the he idea knows. that they, you know, that they would give man of the match to anybody but N'Golo Kante was insane. I mean, was insane. I mean, yeah, I thought, you know, Thiago Silva had a good game. But, but Kante was on another planet in that game, particularly in the first who, half. Who did he get man of the match? Silver. Oh, because on, on the Premier League app, it was Rhys James has got king of the match. Wow. I was like, <laughs> okay. Uh, look, there, there, look, sometimes, honestly, Kante just it beggars belief that people almost kind of have to switch off because he's that good. Mentally, they can't actually work out just how good he was because he is. He's... He's just tireless. He keeps going. And it's the thing that, that has been frustrating over this last couple of years is that he's picked up knocks. He's picked up injuries. He's had things that haven't quite worked out for him. Um, and you just want to see him now back in that side because we are an incredible machine with him in the team. And we need him to be playing. If we're going to go on and become the side I think we could become, we need Kante playing for us for the next two or three years and, and playing a lot of the time because he does something different. Look, we, none of us can quite put our finger on what it is he does because it's all incredible and there's so many. We could compare him to this person, that person, other people. He is N'Golo Kante. He is the the only one of his kind that I've ever seen like this in a Chelsea shirt. Because, yeah, there's bits of Essien, there's bits of Makaleli, there's bits of this. Ultimately, he's N'Golo Kante. So, you know, that's it. And he's blue forever, hopefully. Don't ever go, N'Golo. Well, he was and, Leicester blue as well, so he's still blue. Yeah, well, there you go. It's, you know, and and he's a, French. He wears a French blue shirt, so... Oh, there you go. Maybe he'll hey. sign for Peterborough United. Yes, maybe he will, Gary. The love of your life, Peterborough United. The, the posh. <laughs> the posh. And really aren't. Um, okay. Um, look, we could have scored so many. I mean, we had three goals ruled out for offside. All of them were brilliant, by the way. All those yeah. goals were fantastic. All of those goals would have had a, a shot at goal of the month for Chelsea. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that brings me on to one point that I really want to make. And it's something that I know, Andy, you'll probably say, well, I think you're going a bit early on this. My thoughts are, now looking at Christian Pulisic, what I've seen of him since he's come back, he's starting to look like the player we haven't seen for 18 months. Already, we're seeing the chaos he can cause by runs here and there. The way he's brave enough to go into that six-yard box and score the goal, he doesn't look as though he's afraid of his injury at the moment. And I know it's early days, but I do think Pulisic is going to be such an important part of this side. Amazing. Come back to me after five games when he still isn't injured, and I'll believe well, you. But it, well, up, until, up, up until then, what, full, four, four full no, starts? He, play, he played for America as well. well I don't care about there. that. But, you know, when, matter, he, plays, when he plays five straight 
start 90 minute games or at Look, least eight, love him. 80 minute games come back to me and, and, and we'll have this conversation because yes okay. you're absolutely right when he's on the pitch and when he's doing well 100% agree with you I think he's got a little bit of magic in his boots if he can string that amount of games together I'm all with you you know but, but that, well you, that's the does problem he, does isn't he frustrate it? you because of the injuries Andy yeah 100% 100% and it's 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 not I, I don't dislike him for it I can't you know the kid, kid can't I help. love him by the way kid, kid can't help getting injured um, but it is frustrating that you know we do have this potentially brilliant flair player who, as Kerry says, when he's on the pitch, can can make things happen that other players can't. The problem is, can he put a run of games together without getting injured? Because if he can't, it's it's incredibly frustrating and it slows the rhythm, it slows the momentum of the team. Just believe, Andy, he's going to be fit for the rest of his life. I think, I think get yourself pro- all overexcited about things, Kerry. And sometimes you've got to st- take a step back and look at the reality. Pula Sick Note needs to put a run of games together before I'm going to start need- jumping up again. No, you need to get excited. Believe, Andy. Just believe in Christian. I love that. Um, he's still only 22. I, I, I love yeah. the fact. Well, yeah, which is great. And we've had the Iron Robin conversation as well in recent weeks about, you know, how Iron Robin had all these niggly little injuries and then went to Real Madrid and didn't really work out from there and then, then ended up having a stellar career at Bayern Munich. So, look, I'm not absolutely not ruling him out. He is an incredibly frustrating player injury-wise, though, and, and that's my only point. But I will say this. When he's in and around the six-yard box, he looks like a great finisher, a great finisher. And as my son said, probably the best finisher in the club after Romelu Lukaku. And he causes chaos in the penalty He does a lot area. of things, yeah, that people, yeah. others don't. He just gets the ball, drops his shoulder and goes. And, and that, I think yeah, that's, for that's, defenders, that scares them. I think that's a good point, Gary, because I think, you know, when, when you know Christian Pulisic is, is firing is when he goes past people. When you feel he's kind of worried about an injury or he's not quite mentally there, he's passing sideways or he's passing back. It's like, I want to see him running at players. And when he does that for three or four or five games in a row, then I think we've got Pulisic back and I think he can be a, he can be a you know, game changer for us. An he, he, game really does, he really does complement those players in, the, in those attacking areas where Ziyech... I really like Ziyech. I think he's really silky. He's really classy. But sometimes he's not explosive enough at the times you need him to be, right? Whereas I think Hudson-Odoi is explosive like um, Pulisic, but he thinks he's a little bit of Ziyech as well. Yeah. Whereas Pulisic, I just like how he gets the ball and goes at players. And I'm not comparing him to Hazard. Peak Hazard, he's not even close. But the way Hazard would just... You, you think of the goal we scored when we did Arsenal, where he just got the ball and put Coquelin on his ass from the halfway line, weaved in and out. I think Pulisic has got that about him. Again, yeah, not totally. as good as Hazard. but it, I, I think it's when, perfectly fine to compare him to Hazard. I don't, I don't think in terms of quality, but in terms of style and flair yeah, yeah, and yeah. potential yeah. game impact, I think it's absolutely fine. He's that type of player. He's got the X factor that other players don't. Ziyech, we know, has got a great left foot. He's got a great ability to cross. He, he, that, that word explosive, I think, is very good, Gary. I don't think he is explosive, although I think he looked great when he came on uh, at the weekend. Callum Hudson-Odoi looks a little bit naive at times, uh, sometimes doesn't have have that confidence to go past people. If Pulisic can put it all together, the confidence, the talent, the flair, the desire, if he can put all that together, I genuinely think he's he's an absolute force to be reckoned with. I think the problem and, Chelsea and the got... Fitness. And yeah, the fitness. Yeah, exactly. See, the fitness. I think the problem Chelsea have got is that you've got a country that is building their next 10 years around him. And if he's 10% fit, they're playing him. Mm. And that's the problem. You know, he... he, well, when he, no, when he no, signed, no, no. Hold on, to be fair... The, the Americans took him over for the games. Tuchel asked them not to play him too much. And 
Tuchel was really happy because they they didn't play him for 90 minutes both games. They gave him the right amount of time, Tuchel said. So maybe they understand they're cutting their own nose off to spite their face if they have an unfit Pulisic. So maybe I, Tuchel I don't think they are. I, we, we had this conversation before um, the international break in October after we'd played Southampton and I made the point then um, about Mount getting called up to the England squad. I was like, he doesn't need it. In England were playing, I think, Andorra and Austria or whoever it was they were playing. And I was like, you don't need, you know enough about Mount and what he does in this team not to play him, right? And met the US, they know enough about Pulisic that they don't need to play him in certain matches, but they'll, they will roll him out, one, for ticket sales, and two, because he's their best player and they'll just keep rolling him out yeah, every time and it's Captain America. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Also, he needs minutes under his belt at the moment. So those two games getting whatever it was. Yeah, but Kerry, minutes he needs whatever. minutes under his belt. What he doesn't need is eight hours each way on an aeroplane. Uh, That's yeah, what he does But what else he needs as well is he needs minutes on the pitch with doctors that are nursing him back to full fitness and what will happen at the club is the manager will be getting his daily update on the injured players. The, the, Doctors will be working with them, you know, the masseuse, the physios and that. They'll know where they are. They'll have their numbers, whereas they're not they're not sharing all that with the international teams all the time anyway, right? Because they don't want the data breach. So those coaches that are getting him will get a word from Tuchel. But then that coach is, um, you know, Berhalter, who's the coach of the US team now. He wants to get wins for him. He doesn't care what happens at Chelsea. So he'll, it's his job uh, you, on the you, line, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. You, you look at the injury that Pulisic had. He got it on international duty. Now, that's not Pulisic's fault. That's down to the US team. And, but, and, and it's not a US problem. It's an international problem where managers flog players, like I said about Southgate with Mount. Why are you doing this to Mount? You know what he is. You know what he does. Give him a rest. Rotate some players. Like you, you, I, I know it's a Chelsea podcast, but Kane playing against San Marino. Why? Mm. Why? Play Abraham yeah. and, you know, Calvert-Lewin or whoever else is in the squad. Don't yeah, play yeah. your best players. You, what are you going to learn about Sam Marino and Harry Kane? Injuries are, are never about- a, injuries are never a player's fault. I mean, I'm never, I'm never going to criticise Christian Pulisic personally for it. It's just a frustrating situation where you want to build, almost build an attack around him because he's the one that's going to be the, the, the person that's going to open up opportunities for your £100 million striker for your, you know, for, for, and bring other players into it, allow Ziyech to, to play to his strengths and allow other players to play to their strengths. And when he can't do it, it feels like one step forward, two steps back because then you've got to change the formation. Again, I just want to see the kid play a run of games fit and show us what he can do because he clearly wants to. I don't think it's a lack of desire. I just think his body is failing him. And that, that's a major concern for a player in such an important position for us. Yeah. OK, well, my, my last thought on that is I think you hit on a very good point there about how he brings other players into the game. I would say that Pulisic really drew something out of Ziyech against Leicester when they both came on. They clicked together, those going. two. They seem to yeah, work together did. really well. Yeah, yeah. they did. Yeah. All right. Well, look, that, that's Leicester covered. It was a nice, easy victory. Oh, I loved it. It was it was a wonderful, wonderful game. All right, we should just go quickly to have a preview about Juventus, Champions League at home this week. Now, this is where we can... OK, there's two points here I want to discuss. One is, does it really matter these days if you finish top or second? Because if we beat Juventus and buy more than a goal, uh, I think we end up taking back control of the group to finish top. Does it actually matter anymore, Andy? Um, listen, you've got to play these 
teams anyway um, if you're going to win the thing, you know. So you, you're going to have to play uh, the top, top teams, you know, if they win and you move forward. I guess it gives you an advantage to, to move further in the group if, if by some sort of uh, miracle of of, of, um, of happen chance you, you end up playing weaker teams all the way through. Um, but I just think you play what's in front of you. And my attitude is try and win the group. If you don't win the group, it's not the end of the world, but try and win the group because, A, a it sets a marker out to everybody else and sets a, a flag in the sand but it also may get you a more favorable draw so you know yeah yeah all right well how do you see this one panning out gary do you think this is going to be a cagey affair is there just going to be one goal in it um are juventus there for the taking have we got the team to do it properly this time round? when we should have got more out of the game over there in turin which you were at um how do you see this one going then, uh, then gary I'm still confused by that game in Turin because I'm trying to work out whether we were just that bad that night or whether it was a hangover from the City game because it came immediately on the back of probably our worst performance of the season against City, which City had a lot to do with. But then I think we sort of, you know, sold sold ourselves a bit. But um, I, I think that if we play the way that we have been and the way that we can, this Juve team, I don't think it's any good. And I might end up eating those words and they might beat us. I don't, if we're at top form and I think that we are getting players back into form again as well, um, you know, since September, I just think we should be winning this game 1-0, 2-0. I I don't, I'm not, even that night in Turin, I wasn't that scared by Juventus. They played a very clever game. They soaked it up. We were getting the ball into their final third and then sort of stopping and thinking, what do we do with it? And we're passing it sideways. I think that it was a little bit of a lesson. And I think that, yeah, we can um, we, 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 we can win the game at least anyway. I don't think they're as good as what you think the Juventus name is. Mm. Okay, uh, uh, so what's your prediction? For me? Yeah. 2-0. Two 2-0. Nil. Two nil. All right, Andy, you were going to make a point there. Yeah, and I was then... going to uh, kind of agree. I think that there's a lack of fear factor about, about Juventus at the moment. I think they are a venerable club with a, 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 a big reputation, but that first half we played against them uh, in Turin we were all over them and we should have we should have absolutely smashed it we just left ourselves open uh, and Chiesa who I think is a fantastic player and we should definitely bid for him in the summer if we get a chance I think he's an amazing player punished us um, they've got injuries you know it looks like uh, Chiellini's out it looks like Danilo's out it looks like Dybala could miss it they've got some key players out for this game Aaron Ramsey Aaron, well Aaron Ramsey he's always he's out he's only ever fit for Wales games exactly um, you know so, so they're not going to be at full strength uh we know that under the lights at Stamford Bridge this year, the atmosphere has been brilliant. So I'm really looking forward to that because we can raise the roof. I think it's going to be a, a, a great game. We're purring at the moment. It does look, unfortunately, like Kai Havertz um, might miss the game. So, but, but it looks like Timo could come back. So it'll be really interesting to see how it works out. But I genuinely think we have enough in the tank to, to overhaul a team that, as Gary quite rightly says, is not as scary as the name suggests. Can I just okay. say as well, on the first or second, I was just looking at the groups now, and I, I look, if, if we finish second, we'd be potentially playing, if it, if, it is, if it is as it is now, Ajax, Madrid, Bayern, or RB Salzburg. I, I'm not scared by them. But if we finished first, we'd be playing Lille, Villarreal, somehow Barcelona are second in their group, mm. Inter, Dortmund, Porto, and PSG. Barcelona are absolutely pitiful at the moment, yeah. Gary. I, I just I don't I just look at it and just think first or second in your group it doesn't matter all of those teams that we'd end up playing first or second I think we'd beat them yeah yeah the only one I'd have a concern about is Bayern because they are 
Oh, you know what? I would love yeah, to get yeah. Barcelona if they finish second somehow because they are dire and play them in the February March game. And I'd love it if we smashed them something like 8 0 on aggregate or something. Bayern are like seventh at the moment in La Liga. I mean, they're, they're way back, you know, and it's they've just had a the, the ter- ter- curse. terrible season. No, so I'm worried about Barcelona. Yeah, I'd, I'd love I'd, it if I'd, we smashed I'd, them. Would love I it. not love that? All right. <laughs> I don't think I don't think we're going to concede against Juventus. I think I'm also going to go with Gary. Can't have the same them. scores. How many times have we said this? Can't have the same score. So no, you're null and voided. Yes, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go with. What do you really think? And then so, then you can say what you. What, uh, I really think we'll win it one nil, but I want to say three nil. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So okay. one nil then. <laughs> Good. Excellent. <laughs> Well, it's good that we don't think we're going to concede, isn't it? I mean, that's that's yeah. a bit of a turnaround, isn't it? That we're now singing there, going, "Well, we, you know, we're playing, we're playing supposedly one of the best teams in Europe. We don't yeah. think we're going to no, concede." Absolutely, I think that's great. Excellent. Well, look, Confidence. that's the end of the show. Um, thank you, Andy. Thank you, Gary. Um, we will be back at the end of the week to preview the United game, which would be a nice way to finish off the week. All right, we will see you all soon. Cheers. Come on, you Blues. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.